Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Ty Lopez with me. Ty is an author, a self-made millionaire, entrepreneur by his 20s, an avid reader of over 5,000 books. He wishes no one ever had seen when he was on Bravo's The Millionaire Matchmaker. Unfortunately, his episode is the highest rated yet. Welcome, Ty. Thanks, man. How are you? I'm great. Uh, it's Friday and it's beautiful out and uh, just glad to be here. Thanks for being here. You've been an uh, entrepreneur for 18 years and started uh, 12 multi-million dollar companies. Can you give an audience, uh, our audience an idea of some of the companies that you have started? Yeah, so really what I, what I like to do... Um, uh, I'm an investor, so you know, if you look at the 440 wealthiest, there's 440 approximately, 440, 450 self-made billionaires. There's there's more than that, but a lot of them inherited their money. So, the largest category of wealthy people are investors. About 77 of self-made billionaires are investors. That's about double even the next closest second category. So, you know, I started when I was a teenager. I started a long time ago. I didn't start, you know, late. Um, and I really started my first business when I was five. I remember four, I started a little tomato stand outside. I remember nobody would buy my tomatoes. I had a little 10 cent bag of cherry tomatoes. Then I realized lemonade worked better, which is one of the, uh, 25 cognitive biases, reward versus punishment. Most people don't like tomatoes, uh, at least cherry tomatoes. So they like lemonade with sugar. So that was my first business lesson. Uh, and since then, you know, so in terms of the businesses that I've started, uh, a lot of businesses I'm an investor in, uh, I'll co-start with people. So I like to be behind the scenes. Um, I own some of the biggest nightclubs uh, on the East Coast. I sold them, so they've changed names. Um, I, I started a uh, big investment company on the East Coast called, it used to be called Legacy Life Group. Now, it's, I, I basically have, you know, sometimes I exit the businesses that I'm in. Uh, so... That's uh, still around. My business partner and close friend, John Dewar, runs that. Uh, it's called uh, LLG Financial. Um, and uh, now I invest, you know, I own some of the largest uh, dating sites as an investor, big networks of dating sites, not necessarily, you know, Match.com, although I work with in that space, the social space. Uh, but now I, I, I try to get – what I like to do is I travel around the world and uh, – and I find the best person in any industry, and I talk them into doing a 50-50 business with me. So I just bought a business in uh, Romania, 50%. I'm looking at uh, one of the large universities in, in Europe wants me to buy a, a large percentage. I don't want to say the name because I'm under a NDA, but they're a pretty well-known university that's doing some for-profit stuff outside of Europe. Uh, I am, uh, you know, I've done real estate investment company. I so how do you decide on these ideas? There are so many ideas and so many opportunities. So what makes you say yes to some and no to others? Uh, well, uh, okay, here's the deal. Humans have what's called bounded rationality. So you must always constrain your choice potential uh, by some level of bound. So I, I put a boundary around what I feel confident in. You know, and so now over time, you know, it started out one of my first businesses with, with Joel Salatin in agriculture for about 10 years. I was very focused on organic agriculture, grass fed, the whole paleo movement before it was even the paleo movement I was involved in. And that was something that came out of my natural interest, curiosity at that time in my life. Um, spent two and a half years at the Amish, did lots of different stuff. And from there, I decided that I needed to understand money because most humans, most of us are destined to spend uh, most of our time acquiring money, uh, resources. So I decided, why don't I get into becoming a financial advisor? Because that even at the worst case scenario, even if I didn't like that industry, I'd learn about money and it would help me in whatever I wanted to do. So I focused on that. I became a certified financial planner, CHFC, CLU, all those things we we did. I was one of the first guys to market financial products online in 2001, Google AdWords margin. And so it's been a progression of things that are uh, that are I think, you know, I talk about this. We can talk about this later. But 
I call this business destiny. You know, there's four concentric circles. You got to find where they intersect. And those circles are what you grew up around, what you've been doing the last 10 years, what third party people that don't know you have always complimented you on. And lastly, what you have natural energy around. So when I was younger, I was a little more erratic and random. I did what I had energy. And as I have gotten a little experience, uh, I've been able to become more and more focused. And now I'm mainly focused on spreading good ideas with mass media. So I'm interested in, you know, I live in Hollywood Hills, Hollywood. So it's about, I'm interested in the entertainment industry and mass media and TV and movies and internet and radio and magazines, books, uh, anything that I can take a message and spread it to a lot of people quickly. And so now I'm focused on basically education-based things. So most of my investments, if I'm going to be in dating or finance, I'm going to be in the biz- uh, business of teaching people how to understand, you know, financial planning. If I'm going to be in the dating world, instead of, uh, you know, being maybe dating, owning dating sites, I'm taking those dating sites and making them more educational, learning about social and romance. If I'm going to be in the health space, instead of actually manufacturing a physical product like a vitamin, I'd rather be in the business of selling, edu- uh, you know, at some education stuff. But I want to blend it and meld it with, uh, you know, I want to meld and blend that with uh, entertainment. So I call it, you know, edutainment. People on a scale of one to ten, a textbook is a ten. I like to read textbook. Textbook, most people don't. You know, a one is the Kardashian show. You come out dumber from it. So my blend is, you know, how can I blend one through ten? Uh and some way where it's not too textbooky and it's not too mindless entertainment. So that's what I'm working on now. And that's my goal. And all anyone listening to this, the sooner and younger you narrow down the focus, because creating immense wealth or creating immense impact, whatever your goal is, whether it's money or to be the next Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, Dalai Lama, whatever that might be, the way you're going to get there is with planning and execution. It's that simple. Those two things. But planning is immensely difficult. Zig Ziglar says, you know, spend 30 hours on your plan. I think that's a gross understatement. Sometimes it takes me a year to make a plan. But no matter how long it takes, it's better to make a good plan than get really good at the wrong thing. Joel Salatin, one of my mentors, said, hey, dude, he said, worst thing in the world is someone who's good at the wrong thing. Most people are good at the wrong thing. You must never be good at the wrong thing. So what you got to do, you must figure out what is your destiny when it comes. And I'm assuming we're primarily talking here about business, but I think everybody has four destinies. You have a health destiny. Some people are naturally built like big bodybuilders and some people are built like skinny, you know, endurance runners. Find your destiny and pursue it in health. Uh, when it comes to wealth, some of you are destined to, you know, I say there's four levels of wealth. There's scarcity. That's what most people are in. That's when you make, according to, you know, Daniel Kahneman, the great uh, Nobel Prize winning uh, economist, spoke of happiness under in the modern world. You know, if you make under 80,000 or so, you'll experience deprival and a level of unhappiness that is can be seen in a brain scanner. So most people are in scarcity. The average American makes 50 grand. Uh, or less. Uh, and so you got to get to a position of at least the next level from scarcity is financial independence. That's level two, anywhere from 80 to let's say 150 grand. Now, if you live in a, you know, if you live in Romania, you don't need to make this much. I'm talking about, you got to look at the parity, what it means, uh, the market that you're in, wherever you live. For some of you, if you live in the UK, you need to make more because the pound is a, is a beast and expensive there. So, uh, then you got to get level three, which is, or you can move to level three, which is prosperity. And prosperity, you know, is generally, let's say, whatever, you know, 150 grand, a million dollars. And then beyond that is the final and fourth step, which is wealth and impact. And not everybody's destined, like John Wooden, the great UCLA coach, basketball coach, said, he said, look, man, he said, God only made one Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. God only made one Michael Jordan. God only made one Bill Gates. You do not have to. You should mentor under them and mimic them to the extent that you can, but you may not uh, have the exact capacity that they have in those areas. But it's not a competition with others. It's a competition with 
potential. The greatest tragedy of our times are not uh, religious wars. They're not strife. They're not divorce. They're not hunger, although all of those things are you know, nasty. What the true tragedy of our time, uh, of our lives and of your life, will be wasted potential because time is elusive. Time is the thing that even great physicists don't understand. My grandfather was an astrophysicist, and he talked about how Albert Einstein said if you could go the speed of light, you would uh, time would begin to slow down. But and if you could go faster than the speed of light, potentially you could reverse time and go back in time. But he said, Einstein said, the problem is as you get approach the speed of light, mass becomes infinite, and you become more or closer to infinity, and you become heavier and heavier. So as far as we know, it's going to be hard to ever reverse time. So you got one shot. Maybe reincarnation is true. Maybe heaven is true, but you don't know. All I know is you're probably here now, and you better not waste your potential because one day you will look back, and if you want to be unhappy, you can do what Charlie Munger says. Before you try to figure out what's ha- what will make you happy, focus on an inversion. Invert, invert, invert. What will make you unhappy? Memories so, of wasted potential. So in one of your videos on, on YouTube, you talk about uh, one time when you walked into someone's office telling the person, I will work for free as long as you show me how to make money. Would you recommend that approach to others? And why are, aren't more people do that, especially early on before they started something on their own? Well, recently I, I put out this you know, PDF kind of infographic called the 67 Steps to Becoming a Millionaire. Uh, you see things, oh, three steps on how to become a millionaire, which I think is naive. I think it takes a hell of a lot more than three. So I've got a couple hundred written down, but I think that there's three, you know, there's 67 concentrated ones that will create wealth for you and uh, and prosperity and whatever it is you may want to be doing. And uh, so I think um, the number one of those 67 and will answer your question. So most people, I call it, you got to have, I call it get arrested humility. The ability to be so interested in what you do in terms of pursuing mentors, ideas from other people that you're willing to get arrested. You know, uh, the guy who started Akamai, uh, uh, he was basically uh, arrest, arrested by, I can't forget if it was Bill Gates or, or Steve Jobs' office persistently saying, hey, you gotta, you gotta help me, you gotta listen to me. And they eventually had, it wasn't police, they had security remove him, right? You gotta have that level of humility that you're willing to say, I don't know, and I'm willing to, uh, you know, I'm willing to, to do whatever it takes to do that. And most people aren't. They're very, very, very proud. You know, the great uh, billionaire, uh, maybe the greatest businessman of our time, Sam Walton, made $160 billion personal net worth for himself and his family with Walmart. Um, back, and this is what I call get arrested level uh, uh, in humility. He was down in Brazil. This is after he's the richest man in America, after he started uh, the empire of Walmart. And he was down visiting some friends. And while he was down there, he was, uh, uh, his friends in Sao Paulo got a call. He's been arrested. Come bail him out of jail. They go down to the jail. They're like, what are you doing arresting this, uh, this, you know, 60 or 70 year old billionaire from America? Brazilian jail is a dangerous place to be for anybody and for sure for him. And they said, well, we thought he was crazy. He was crawling around on his hands and knees in all these stores. And they asked them, why were you crawling around? And he said, oh, I was measuring how wide the aisles were in the stores here because I was trying to see if these Brazilians knew something that I didn't know. Think of that for a second. The level of humility to make a billion dollars but yet say, maybe somebody knows something I don't. People are too damn proud. They are insanely proud for no good reason. I asked, you know, one of the 67 steps is from where does the pride come from? Where does your pride come from? Most people have pride not based on any, any actual accomplishment. Or if they do have any accomplishment, it only sounds great to them because their friends are losers. Or I don't want to be judgmental, but they hang out with people who have done worse than them. Man, don't have so much pride. You know, whenever I get proud, I think of my best friend who's making a million dollars a day. 
right now with his business. Seven years, built a company he's going to sell for a billion dollars. Whenever I get cocky, I think about him. Whenever I get cocky, I think about, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, Gandhi changing the world. Daniel Lewin by 31. Steve Jobs, I mean, and Bill Gates by my age were much more uh, – uh, much more accomplished. So whoever's listening to this, whether you make a million dollars a year, then you better be comparing yourself with men who make and women who make a million dollars a day. They're out there, my friend. You think you're good at basketball. That just means you play on the wrong court. Go play down at the uh, UCLA summer game when you'll be playing against, you know, pro basketball players. You won't feel so good then. Compare yourself to Michael Jordan. I call this the law of 33%. You don't need to beat yourself down, Right. You know, you can, I call it the law of 33%. Hang out with people. 33% of your time should be with people who are below you. You can mentor them, and they'll also make you have high self-esteem when you realize other people are doing worse than you. Then you can spend 33% of your time around people on your level. Like Mahatma Gandhi says in his autobiography I just read, you know, I read a book a day, and I try to read from all types of greats. And he said, on the rise to the top, you will often feel lonely. So, you need friends who are on the same path as you, but not ahead or behind. Those will be people you connect with. And lastly, find, and this is the hard step, people 10 to 20 years ahead of you. If you find them, this is the path. Humans learn not by visual audio. They learn not by kinesthetic. They learn by osmosis. Osmosis is things rub off on you. You must have the right people rubbing off on you. And the beauty of mass media is in books and YouTube and Airplanes where you can fly around the world. When I was in my teens, I was I took a little bit of money I had saved and I traveled the world, been to 51 countries, and uh, and I went to uh, you know I remember I took a plane trip to Tasmania, an island off Australia, rented a car, drove across from Lancashire to a little village on the other side of Tasmania, and I was literally about as far off as you can ever be on the planet. I was in the south of New Zealand, a place that said. 30 miles south from here is Antarctica. But I was looking for people with answers, right? you got to have the humility to spend all your money learning from others. Forget the hype that you learn from within. You don't learn from within. Did you learn English from within? No. Somebody taught you. Did you learn to drive from within? No. Somebody taught you. Did you learn basketball? Did you learn social skills? No. Everything is taught. If you and I were left on a desert island, it'd be like Lord of the Flies. We'd be killing each other with spears and not talking. We'd be grunting. In the same way, elevate the mind and you will accomplish what you want and you will do it by learning. The great influential impact people, I was just reading Jean-Jacques Rousseau from the 1700s this morning, the story by Will and Ariel Durant, the great Yale historians, and they said, you know, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, he read, he worked on a a, a volume, uh, a work, and he read 200 I think it was – maybe it wasn't Rousseau. Maybe it was Voltaire. I forget. But before he wrote his book, he read 200 books on the subject so that he could write a good book. Most people are out there spouting their own opinions without downloading the consciousness of great people in their so, minds. So I want to get a deeper understanding of what it takes to succeed when when most businesses fail – you know, there are people that just, they can, you know, serial entrepreneurs, they can succeed almost every time. You know, nobody succeeds every time, but, but they just know how to go from one success to the next, to the next, to not. And, and those people that, that can't get there, why do they fail? What are some of those, what are, what, what's missing? What's missing? Is it, is it a mindset or is it skills? Is it being not respecting the business to do their homework? What do you think are some of the biggest reasons uh, some people fail repeatedly? Well, you guys would like you – should, you should have everybody. It's free on my site, tylobez.com. Have them download my 67 things. I mean the answer is I've put together 67 viol- – if you violate these 67 principles, you will – very high likelihood be a massive failure. Uh, and so if you can follow frameworks of thought, you will do much better. Now, if you're asking me what's the most important, uh, I, you know, there's a handful of highly important things in my experience. Uh, and like I said, the first one is people who are not humble enough generally fail. People who try to build too much off their own ideas often fail. Uh, okay, so that's one of the 67. Other things that common ones, I'll just, you know, 
if you want the full list, they can get it on my site. It's free. I just give it away. But uh, I'll give you a handful. Other times, a piece So trying to be original is a bad thing, in your opinion? Well, it depends on your definition of original. Let me give you an example. Okay. You come up, are you original in how you speak English? The answer is yes and no. You formulate words and recombine them in the order that is in your brain. But where did you learn the foundational building blocks of the word the, the word a, the word and, the word house? Those were taught to you, and they're a construction. Wittgenstein, the great philosopher, speaks on this. Your reality is a construction of the words that you use, but you were taught the words. So what you do is you use other people's thoughts as the foundational steps, and then you recombine them over time. But I'll tell you, man, most people, uh, do you know how hard it is to come up with an amazing idea that hasn't been thought of? Why? Why do you need that? My mentor, Alan Nation, told me, and this was a very accomplished, one of the smartest people I've ever met. He said to me, Ty, I never had an original idea in my mind. I just read a book a day of smart people. That's where I got this idea back as a teenager of reading. And this is the normative pattern. Find me a great world-changing person who doesn't read. Warren Buffett and Steve jo- uh, and Bill Gates both said if they could have – they were asked, what's the number one superpower you wish you had? They said to read a book a day. I mean to be the fastest reader in the world. To be the fastest reader in the world. Whereas, you know, I always talk about rich friends, poor friends. I got rich, very rich friends. You know, there's that book by Kawasaki, Poor Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I didn't have a rich dad. I had a poor dad. <laughs> but I have rich friends and I have poor friends now. I have some of the wealthiest people in the world are my friends. and But I have my old school friends. I don't base my friendships on how much money someone makes. So I have all my friends back, you know, who are just regular people. And I'll tell you the difference between my rich friends and poor friends, my poor friends are what I call, you ever heard the word skinny fat? It means somebody who appears skinny, but if you grab their skin, they're kind of flabby. Most mm-hmm. people are humble cocky. They appear to be humble on the outside. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you look at their actions, they're never learning. They secretly think that deep within, one day they'll wake up with the next great idea that makes them great. It won't happen. Read Nicholas Tesla. People think he's a self-made man. He had a photographic memory. He had a mathematician Uh, He read an immense amount of books. He had a mathematician uh, mentor. He went to university and learned from some of the top people. Wittgenstein, the greatest thinker of modern times, he went and tracked down Bertrand Russell for three months. He haunted the great, you know, Bertrand Russell was the great philosopher at that time. And he went, Wittgenstein went as a young kid and, and, and pursued Bertrand Russell and said, and Bertrand Russell thought he was crazy. So he had pursuit and said, I need to learn from the best. That must be your attitude. You know, we'll never get along. I never get along with any person that tries to tell me how they're going to learn the answer within. I'll give you an example. Somebody, the Dalai Lama was mentored by who? He was mentored by Gandhi. And Gandhi had a mentor. It's a series of passing down of knowledge. Why do you want to do it yourself? Most people have a mistaken massively mistaken understanding that the way that you learn is through mistakes. So I was going to tell you the other reason that people fail is most people are trying to learn from their own mistakes. That's a long, hard path that's going to take you 30 years. You only learn from mistakes. That is true. But, 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 you learn much quicker through other people's mistakes. Who do you want to be? Someone who spends 30 years learning through your own trial and error. You, you want to be somebody who has to discover that the world is flat versus round? I already, it didn't take me more than one minute to, to realize that the world is not flat. I read, I built upon other people's works. I didn't spend my life, I could have spent 10 years traveling the globe and trying to go to space and mathematically proving it. Why? So why are people going, hey, Ty, well, I want to do it my way, the original. I'm like, well, then you want to be poor, my friend. That's your choice. And I'm happy for people who, who want to be who want to be poor. That doesn't bother me at all. So so you credit ninety percent of your success to five of your mentors, three millionaires and two billionaires. What were some of the most important things that you learned from your mentors that you can share now? Well, a lot of this uh, a lot of this sixty seven steps that I have. Uh, it is from the compilation, you know, from traveling to 51 countries and, and learning from people like that. Okay. Uh, so 
that that's step one. I mean, I've been mentored by all the books that I read. That's extremely important for me to to learn through these books. Um, and the most important things are in that 67 steps. I mean, there's things from understanding you must control your mind. We live in a world where we're bombarded by too much stimulus. Robin Dunbar, the available, the I mean, Robert Dunbar, the great anthropologist, said we really evolved only to be in groups of 150. Okay. And get, hold on one second. Let me close this door. I have all my assistants here talking. Maya? Sorry about that. I'm all right. Uh, so you got these 67 steps, right? And I think there's about two or 300. I just didn't want to bombard people. So some of the big ones is uh, one of my mentors. I was about 18 years old, and my mentor it was a guy named Mike. He was one of the wealthiest men in Ireland. And we were on this farm in Mississippi. And he, he, he was telling me that uh, I, I brought up somebody that I looked up to. I was like, oh, this person, you know, blah, 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 this person, Dottie D. And he looked at me and he said, but Ty, is he worth a damn? Was, is he worth a damn? And at the end of the day, uh, I think the mo three most important lessons that I learned from mentors is, number one, the worth the damn factor. What's your worth the damn factor? And worth the damn is a set of massive intangibles. It's hard to define, but I call it awareness. People who are aware, like this, an Amish guy, I lived with Amish for two and a half years, and an Amish guy told me, he said, you know, Ty, three kind of people in the world. One watches things happen, one makes things happen, and the last wonders what happened. Most people wonder what happened. You must never wonder what happened. You must make things happen. So, and uh, so that's the ahead. first one. Sorry. Right. Yeah, go ahead. The go second ahead. one uh, that you must do, okay, you must then, what I talked about a little earlier, you must have massive levels of humility. And then next, the third one, which I haven't gotten to, is what Charles Darwin said. Charles Darwin said, it's not the most intelligent. It's not the strongest that survive. It's the most adaptable. The most adaptable. You must be adaptable. Right? So most people don't read the obvious signs of their life. They do not read that their, you know, their life is crappy and they won't admit it. That can't be you. That cannot be you. So those three things, and then there's 64 other main things. There's cognitive biases, you know, misweighting bias, senescence bias, availability, association bias, Pavlovian response, uh, 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 Kantian fairness. There's uh, systems that are six sigma perfection levels that you have to work on. It's really a recipe, an overall recipe that you must master. It's different for different people. Okay. Can you uh, share your 5% rule to a seven- or eight-figure income? I read a little bit about it on, on your site, I believe. Uh, I don't know if you can go into that a little bit. So, uh, so okay. So the law of 5%, basically, I used to date a girl who almost won American Idol. She was one of the best singers. She made it to the final rounds of uh, of American Idol, and... She was on a scale of 1 to 100 of singing. You know, just to audition and get on American Idol, you have to be in a stadium of 15,000 people to make it, okay? And she did. And then she made it, you know, Simon liked her and so on. And, but the thing, and this is the tricky, nasty, catchy thing about success, scale to 1 to 100, okay? She's a scale, on a scale to 1 to 100, the world no longer rewards 85s or 90s or 92s or 93s. The world rewards 95 to 100s. That's the hard part. That's the hard part. How can you become that last 5%? That's what you have to figure out. Okay? So mm -hmm. that's what the law of 5% uh, says. You you also talk about a uh, um, 
an infinite cash injection method uh, you pioneer to keep a constant cash flow coming into your business. Can you share that? Yeah, so there's three factors of production out there in the world. There are you know, classic, if you study economics. Number one is it, well, it's land, labor, and capital. Okay. So most entrepreneurs are very focused on land. That's the position that you need. That's networking and who you know and so on. Okay. Number two is labor. Most entrepreneurs are extremely focused on their own skill levels. Hey, Ty, I'm good at this, that, and the other thing. Okay. But lastly, and the one that's most often forgotten by most entrepreneurs is capital. We live in a capitalistic society. You probably need capital. Richard Branson, if you read his great uh, autobiography, Screw It, Let's Do It, what he says is, without capital, you're done. He acquired massive amounts of capital. That must be what you do as an investor. Now, when I say massive, it will be different amounts for different people. For some people, that's $10,000, and for some people, that's, that is, you know, I don't know, $50 million. So that's, you know, but make no mistake, capital is the fuel that you must bring into your business. And so I pioneered various, I have this academy that I do, and, you know, I, I give away 80% of everything that I do for free. Uh, but there's a few things that I got this academy for highly engaged. It's a private mentorship and I teach this whole system. I'll explain some of it. I mean, I teach five hours on it in the system. I can't teach it all now, but I'll lose my voice. But the basic system is you want to create an ongoing source of capital. That's not always, you know, profits from your business. So for some people that's shares for some people that's debt, but I like some creative strategies, franchising. If I just read the book Grinding, uh, Grinding It Out with Ray A. Kroc. Amazing book if you've never read that. And, you know, his trick uh, was very simple. He created a franchising system. He, you know, licensed it from the McDonald brothers, another very humble guy. And he went out there and licensed this uh, business uh, to other people. So he was able to bring in uh, large sums of cash in that way. And so for some people, you will do it through a form of franchising or licensing, as I call it, which is it can be extremely, uh, you know, extremely effective. Uh, for some of you, it's licensing if you're in more of a software business. Uh, if you, for some people, uh, I find that what works best uh, is a system of, uh, you know, debt. Sam Walton built an empire of debt. Debt is nasty, though. You should only use debt if you do decide to use it when you already have a proven system that you can pretty much, you know, Walton was borrowing money once he knew uh, the numbers and what would sell, you know. So he didn't use debt to fund his initial business. You must be very, very careful, very, very careful uh, using debt. So those are the infinite and I've got some, you know, things that are more advanced that you can do. But the main place to start for whoever is listening is you must come into a place mentally where you understand that you probably will need capital at some level. Sometimes if you're lucky enough, you can use reinvested profits as your capital source, but you may want to diversify the flow of money that comes into your business. So how should we imitate entrepreneurs that are way ahead of us. So you mentioned that, you know, maybe a third of the people that you know, you interact, you kind of help out. And then the rest of the people should be ahead of you. So you can learn from them and they can positively influence you. So what can we do to imitate or learn from these, these entrepreneurs that are kind of way ahead of us, or at least a few steps ahead of us in the game? You mean, how can you get them to do what? How can well, how, what, what do I look for? Because when I look at, if I look at, um, Mark Cuban, you know, uh, I really, you know, I can read a book about him or whatever, but maybe he's not, he's a billionaire, so maybe he's not the best example. But let's say somebody makes $100 million, so that's a substantial business. 
Uh-huh. What do I? What do? What do we want to learn from from them? What What do you think is the most valuable things that we can learn from them? Is it more about the just the general outlook on life, or do we want to get tr- try to get tactical? Uh, you know, in terms of in terms of trying to to imitate what they do. Um, I think. I mean, go the most humble path in general. Like Alan Nation taught me, Ty, the secret to life is ignoring 99% of people. But when you find the one person, uh, listen to everything they say. So I was actually reading a book called The Republic, uh, which is by Plato this morning. And he talked about this concept of, you know, listening to one or two people at a time. And remember, you don't have, it's not a cult following. Over time, uh, you will accumulate people uh, in your life. But but listen to them, you know? And so I think it's better to, what I recommend people do, I find I, it's very simple. Uh, you go out and you identify your destiny. Then you find somebody 20 years ahead in your exact destiny. That's the best type of mentor. So if you want to do a hotel business, don't get mentored by a guy who has a sushi restaurant, Right. It, 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 you can have them on your board of advisors. I teach in my Millionaire Mentor Academy uh, on my site, tylopez.com. I got a little link there. But I teach there the difference between a board of advisors and actual mentors. Mentors need to be in what you're doing so that you can emulate them very, very closely. Okay? So if you could do that, uh, you, you know, that's the first path. So you brought up whether it be Rich, uh, Richard Branson or whoever it might be. Uh, you know, you, you may make a mistake of following somebody uh, who has, you know, really no experience. Just because somebody's successful in something doesn't mean they'll be able to lead you down a different path for a different type business. So they can be on your board of advisors and give you generalized advice. Okay. Uh, but in general, you know, they should be on your board of advisors. They give you big picture advice, and then you find mentors that you can really follow around, maybe work for, whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. Now, now many entrepreneurs spend their days putting out fires instead of being strategic. It, it's almost like they're operating in crisis mode most of the time. What do you think they you know, why do you think they choose that path? I mean, and, and what can they do? What can we do to avoid that, to build a business that doesn't operate in crisis mode most of the time? What, what's going wrong with their business? Well, uh, it's hard to diagnose. There's, it, it's funny. There's only a few ways to succeed, but there's a hell of a lot of ways to fail. So the people can be failing for anything. Like Charlie Munger says, if you really want to fail, uh, have a lot of sloth and unreliability. So some people have sloth. They're lazy as hell. Some people are unreliable. They're good one day, but not good the other. They should read the book Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker. Other people are going too fast of a track. You know, it took it took uh, Pablo Picasso a long time to become Picasso. They call those the 10 dark years, the 15 dark years, where nobody knows your name. Ray A. Kroc, before he became the richest man in America, spent 30 years selling paper cups. Uh, Bill Gates started at 12 and wasn't a billionaire till 31. Buffett started at seven and wasn't a billionaire till 57, 50 years. So some people's time frame is so short, they're like, ah, oh, I'm failing. I'm like, you're not failing, my friend. You're going through the normal and normative growth patterns of any biological organism and, and business in a sense is like a baby. Alan Nation told me, he said, hi, it's like a baby. The first year keeps you up all night crying. The second year, it's a brat. The third year, fourth year, you could finally you know, sleep through the night. But eventually, if you take care of that baby, one day, it'll take care of you. So some people have a baby business and are treating like a grown adult going, you know, there's a big lie out there, uh, in especially in the internet entrepreneur world. I'm not sure where it started. I think some of it started in the four-hour work week. Uh, as much as I like Tim Ferriss's general ideas, there's some massive, uh, massive mistakes in it that are causing people to go, oh, well, I'm going to start a scalable business and this, that. It's a bunch of BS. It's not true. You can't find many examples. You can find a full, few statistical aberrations, but it's aberrations. Uh, so um, uh, so I think most people, especially maybe your audience specifically, uh, is simply, okay, 
is just simply poorly timing and they have a poor framework, dude. I mean, I told you it's about planning and execution. So most people have the crappiest plan ever. They build their crap, their, their plan off some, you know, internet nonsense that they read somewhere. It's a weak plan. I mean, what do you expect from a weak plan? What if my plan when I broke my ankle was to put, you know, wave a, a voodoo doll over my ankle to get better? You follow a crap plan and you're going to have a hell of a lot of problems with your broken ankle. You want to follow a good plan, and most good plans are carefully and methodically done. And when I broke my ankle playing basketball over at UCLA a couple years ago, I wanted an expert, someone spent 30 years and had built upon an accumulated uh, body of medicinal knowledge at the hospital to fix my ankle. You know, that's what I wanted. So uh, most people handle failure badly, and, and – what do you think? Why do you think that happens? Uh, you know, uh, I think you talked about this. I don't know if it's one of the videos uh, on YouTube or maybe on your site. You know how you know seventy percent quit after the first failure, another twenty percent quit after the second, and ninety to ninety-five quit after the the third. You know, and 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 the average millionaire fails about three times before they actually make it. So. What can we do to condition ourselves? Because you know, when you're a baby and you try to walk. I mean, you fail a million times a day, you know, and yet yeah, we keep going. But yeah, what breaks? But. What breaks in, a, in, in us as we grow up? Or, or I don't even know when that happens, when we're like, you know, you fail and you take it personally. And, and a lot of times, you know, it really ruins people. Well, I mean, look, there's two ways I can answer that. There's some people that answer that by saying the educational system has trained us to see failure as a black and white. I think there's some there. I think there's some religion and traditional morality, but I think, you know, so I could go down that path of talking about that. Let me take it a little different place before we even talk about that. Uh, there's a good interview by Warren Buffett and Jay-Z. I think it was for Forbes magazine or something. And basically uh, what they said, which is very fascinating was uh, what Buffett says is he, so Buffett had a mentor named Benjamin Graham, one of the foundational guys who taught people to understand the stock market. And what he said was, what you want to do is never fail, make a big failure. Okay. So when you're walking as a little baby, your mom does not let you walk close to a cliff. When my mom was a little girl, my grandma said she disappeared at like two years old out the back door. My grandma found her walking across a, a pier with like a 50-foot drop-off to shark-infested waters in Panama. You don't want that for your kid or for your life, right? So you can have mistakes, but they need to be little ones. What you need to be trying to do is get on first base. Everybody's trying to get on home base with the first hit. Don't be a fool. Make a lot, a lot, a lot of first base hits. And the next thing you know, you've scored a lot of runs. So really, most of us have bought into the lie that you need to make a top ton of mistakes. Joel Salatin told me the first day I was there, he said, Ty, I have one rule. You're not allowed to make any mistakes. What he was saying is limit. Put risk prevention. It's like in stock market. You put options on it, right? You put options on it to protect yourself from downside. Don't go all out with your first business. Everyone I meet wants to make a million dollars. I'm like, but you ever made a hundred thousand consistently? Don't tell me about your million dollar plan. I had a guy come to me one time and said, I want to go to lunch with you. I got the next billion dollar plan. And I said, well, depending on how you answer this one question, I'm going to tell you if I'm going to, if I'm going to uh, go to lunch to you, with you. And I said, have you ever started a million dollar business? No. Said so you ever start a hundred thousand dollar business? No, fifty thousand? No. I said, then why are you talking about a billion? You're too cocky, my friend. It took Bill, it took Warren Buffett 50, 50 years to become a billionaire. He has one hundred fifty five IQ. Was mentored by the went to Wharton. Was mentored by one of the great people of all times in the financial area. And and it took him fifty years. But you're sitting here telling me you got the next billion dollar idea? I feel like saying, get out of my face, my friend. I can't handle it. I don't want your bad vibes. Now, he meant well, and I didn't say that to him, but that's what I naturally feel. So most entrepreneurs out there, I'm like, hey, man, if it took Bill Gates 19 years, and from age 20 to age 30, Bill Gates said I never took one day off. Ten years, he used to sleep and, you know, not take a shower and sleep at the office in his cubicle writing code. If it took him, and he's got 100, 155 IQ as well. Are you smarter than Bill Gates, my friend? Because if you think you are and you're working for 19 years like he worked – 
and you're still having problems making money, then you can come talk to me. But everybody wants, this is what my TED Talk is about, everybody wants, but not everybody's willing to do what you have to do to get what you want. So what businesses are exciting to you? Where do you see the greatest opportunity today in 2014? If, if, you, if you're starting something or if you're advising somebody to start the business, where do you see the great opportunities now? Well, I don't buy into that. I hate opportunistic stuff. I, can, I tell people you can disagree with me as much as you want, but you got to have facts. So when I say strong opinions, I'll try to back them up with facts. So if you look at the wealthiest people in the world, 44 self-made billionaires, there's no consistent pattern except maybe investors that continually wins the game of business. They're all over the place. There's a, a yogurt billionaire. There's a billionaire who Sarah Blakely did spanks. She made tights and made a billion dollars. You know, there's people from tech, real estate, but they're not dominant in that thing. They're all over there. So I tell people, quit with the opportunistic stuff. You will not create wealth around with uh, the next big opportunity. For every story of Instagram where they stumbled into a billion dollars or multi-billion dollar business, there's 10,000 failures. You don't want to play a hand of cards that wins one out of 10,000. You want to play a hand of cards that wins one out of two or two out of three. And the hand that wins two out of three in the consistent pattern of world impactful changing people as people who follow what I talked about at the beginning, business destiny. What's your natural destiny? Go down that path. Opportunities will arise over time and you will make money if you're suited. But remember the law of 5%. If you're trying to just jump in like me, I suck at construction. I hate construction. I did it. I know how to build a house, but you would never want to live in a house that I built. I have no interest in it and all the doors would be crooked because I don't like building. So if I was to pursue and say, oh, well, there's a ton of money in real estate and I'm going to go get in a construction company, I'd be a fool. You never want to be a fool. All these people out there, it's the blind leading the blind. Don't be that person. Remember, if you don't know who the sucker is, you're the sucker. What you need to do is first get massive levels of clarity. You should be able to say in a few words what you want to do. Warren Buffett at two years old, I mean, seven years old, realized I want to allocate capital. I met Steven Spielberg. He said around seven years old, I went to a Indiana Jones private screening here in Hollywood with him. And uh, he was talking there at the beginning before the movie, it was the 30th anniversary of Indiana Jones. And he said, at like seven or eight, I was playing with camera lenses. I already knew what I wanted to do. Bill Gates at 12, uh, there's, there is a, a pattern. Now, you may be listening to this and you're 50 years old. Well, better late than never. You better get this down now, faster. <laughs> Most people are like, well, I'm already 50 years. Well, it doesn't matter. The laws of, the, of business don't change just because your life is out of whack. So what you got to do, figure out what you should do immediately, immediately, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I just have uh, basically one or two more questions. I know we went over a little bit then, you know, I, I said about a half an hour, so I appreciate your, you know, you being yeah. here. Um, what do you think is the biggest time waster for people in business or people that want to be entrepreneurs or people that are trying to be entrepreneurs? Oh, that's easy. Getting good at the wrong thing. Getting good at the wrong thing. It's the tragedy of our time. Everybody wakes up and goes to work and 99% of those people are getting good at something they don't like. Don't get good at something you don't like. Why? Let somebody else be good at that because they probably like it. So that's the biggest time waster without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. Uh, any last word of uh, wisdom to share about building a business or growing or taking your business to the next level before we uh, call this? Uh, I would probably say uh, the biggest thing that you could do. I, I mean, take the philosophy of what uh, Chief Tecumseh said. Love your life, perfect your life, beautify all things in your life. Focus on an end game that you want. Right. So the end game and then work your way in reverse, figure out where you want to be at 70 and then go, OK, if I want to be there at 70, what does my life have to look like at 60? And then say to get there at 60, what does my life have to look at 50? And then move your way back to your present age. Work in reverse. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People talks about end game. Be end game. Be an investor and not a consumer. 
Well, Ty, thanks very much for coming uh, on online uh, on Success Harbor to share your story and some of your wisdom. How can people connect with you or find out more about you, or or where where should where should they go? So I just launched a podcast. If you guys could do me a favor, I rarely ask other people for failure, but I'll ask, uh, for uh, for failure for uh, favor. Uh, I just launched a podcast, and it gets a new and noteworthy if I get enough ratings and stuff so if you could go to my podcast on itunes stitcher or blackberry it's the grand theory ty lopez show grand theory of everything it's me talking a little bit of babbling hopefully a little bit of good news and good wisdom in there what i've learned from other people and i'll pass it on and, and just leave me a rating subscribe uh, that's the first way second way and and maybe even better than that is my site tylopez.com i've got this uh 67 steps the pdf check that out join my book of the day newsletter you should be reading a book a day, but if you can't do it, let someone else do it for you. So I read a book a day, and I put out a free summary. A million and a half people in 40 countries are on there. So if you go to tylopez.com, there's a little place to join or a pop-up you'll see. And uh, you can get the 67 steps plus get free uh, my book of the day club. Some of you, those people who are really interested and highly engaged and want to join my private mentor program, it's not very expensive. It goes white to black belt. starts out very inexpensive. Um, and that's, there's a link on Millionaire Mentor. I'm on Twitter. I got a hundred I just passed 170,000 followers the other day on Twitter. Uh, it's under Ty Lopez. Instagram, I like a lot. You can see my lifestyle and what I'm trying to do. Uh, it's at Ty Lopez and the number one, at Ty Lopez one. And then I'm on Facebook, Ty Lopez official. YouTube, Ty Lopez. I keep stuff in different channels. My YouTube has some unique stuff, but, uh, you can go to my website tylopez.com and go from there but leave me this podcast thing if you guys don't mind a uh, little review there and that will help and subscribe and hopefully i get five stars maybe i don't deserve it give me what you think is fair i'm not going to tell you what to write me but uh so check out check out ty's podcast on itunes check out tylopez.com ty and yeah thank it's you. 67 steps to uh i just put that out it's pretty cool and 67 steps uh it's a pdf you get and then i'm recording like three or four videos that are about an hour long where I go through the 67 steps. I can't do all 67 in the videos. I do them all in the academy, but you can get a, like I said, I give away around 90% of everything I do for free, 70, 90, whatever percent. So yeah, check that out. Okay, Ty. Thank you again. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, good luck to you, Ty. And hopefully you come back maybe in a year and tell us about how everything is going now. Awesome. Thank you. Soon, my friend. Stay strong.